Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you, and we do want to bless you and glorify your name today. And we also ask that you'd be in the, the midst of everything this morning, and especially the difficult places. Help us to just uh, receive the fullness of your grace, of the love you have for us, and help us to face the faults and the failures of our own selfishness. Lord, help us to just surrender everything that we are, surrender our relationships and our marriages. Help us to surrender those times we have disappointed you and fallen short. And give us the opportunity that we can just trust in your grace, we can receive your goodness, we can know everything was done for us and won for us on the cross by Jesus, that when we receive him, we receive that chance of new life. So bless us now as we're together. May it all be to your glory and help us to stand on your truth in compassion. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're going to have a seat this morning as uh, we listen to our drama team. Hi, Tim. So where are the kids? Oh, I called Mom on the way over to get them, and she said that she wanted to drop them off here. I guess they baked a cake or something, and she wanted to let them put the frosting on. It should only take a few minutes. Unless they eat the cake. I hope not. I told them they were having dinner with you. But you know, Michael's always starved after soccer. You know, he's doing really well this year. A lot better. Have you noticed? Not better than last year. A lot better. He's not even afraid to kick the ball. Yeah, he's getting his confidence back. Yeah, it's been so good for him. I was really, really worried about him there for a little while, you know, since. He's had a hard couple of years. Yeah. I guess we all did. Beth, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. Tim, I don't want to get into this right now. The kids will be here any minute, and it's just no, not. Hold on. I'm not trying to get into anything. I've just been, I've been... Then don't bring it up at McDonald's with... Look! I'm trying to apologize here. Can you just give me a few minutes to grovel? And it'll all be over with. I promise. We've said everything that needs to be said. No, we, we haven't. Well, maybe you have, but I haven't. Please. Beth, I want to say I'm sorry. Apology accepted. Listen, I've been able to see now that I was very wrong. In the years before the divorce, I, I was a pretty awful and lousy husband. And I treated you very poorly. And I, I never appreciated you for who you really were. Tim, just stop. No, it's true. Even, even the divorce, you didn't deserve all that. I just, I just want you to know I think you're a great person. And the best mother. And if I'm ever in that situation again... Tim... 
it's the past, okay? You have a better marriage now, and we both learned some things, and maybe it's good that. Oh, it'll never be good. It was wrong for me to pursue and push for the divorce the way I did. And nothing will ever make that right. I was wrong, period. And I just wanted you to know that. Well, nice of you to tell me after four years. Beth, I'm trying. Tim, the divorce was agony. You don't have to tell me that. You weren't just wrong, you were evil. And it almost killed me, almost, but not quite. I've learned a lot about myself. And that never would have happened if you didn't do what you did. Yeah, but I still regret it, though. And that's good. And you should regret it. But I've moved on. Look, I'm not saying I want to go back. I'm, I'm happy with Lisa. She's been good for me, and I've learned a lot. I'm just so sorry that you had to be the one to pay for it all. That's life, Tim. We do good, and God uses it. We screw up, and God uses it. Either way, he fits it in. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. So what do you do? You let go of it. The bitterness. I don't know if you could tell, but do you remember Wendy's wedding last spring? Yeah. When you chopped that salad plate in that lady's lap? Yeah, how we both laughed so hard out in the hall. Of course. It was the first time that I was able to laugh with you since the divorce. You were different somehow. I could breathe around you. I quit blaming you, and I moved on. I quit blaming you for my life, and you were just part of a bigger picture. Not that I'd wish it on anyone, but I'm stronger now. You're an amazing woman, Beth. No, don't say that. Don't say that. There was a time when I would have died to have heard those words. But that time is over. Tim, it's over. Well, there's the kids. They show up at the darndest times, don't they? Yeah. Well, enjoy your burger. I've got dinner waiting. So, Beth? Yeah? So you'll drop them off sometime Friday night, right? Yeah. And for what it's worth, Tim, I get what you're trying to say, and thanks, I guess. It's difficult. It's painful. When somebody comes to that place when they say, I don't, after they've once said, I do. I mean, the reality is what we're going to talk about today is, uh, well, it's difficult. Uh, and for some of us today, it may be uh, painful because that's just the nature of that kind of, of experience. Uh, and yet, if we're going to be real about walking with Christ, if we're going to be 
real about exercising our faith and applying it to all the situations of life that we got to do this morning. We got to take the time to ask the question not only, hey, what about when we say, I do? But what about when we say, I don't? So let's just get it on the table. Let's just start with what God has to say and uh, just let him kind of hit us boldly in the face. It comes out of Malachi 2, and uh, God just kind of blatantly lays it out there in Malachi, and he simply straightforwardly says, look, I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Any doubt about his attitude? None at all. I mean, he just kind of blatantly lays it out there and says, listen, I, I just I hate divorce. Now, to understand this, though, I think we need to look more fully at the context in which Malachi is speaking. Remember, Malachi is a prophet. And the prophets are concerned about the relationship of God's people with God. And so in Malachi, he is making that kind of prophecy. He is talking to them about, wait a minute, what about your relationship with God? And he is condemning them for how lightly they have taken that relationship. And he takes that condemnation to say, hey, look how lightly you're taking your relationship with God. And he applies it into the experience of the day-to-day to say, and this is how lightly you're taking your relationship in your marriage. It starts here. Verse 14 says, you cry out, why, does the Lord ex- why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I tell you why. Because the Lord witnesses the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. What's the problem? Well, Malachi is saying, look, you're wondering why your relationship with God isn't going so well. Well, your relationship with your spouse isn't going so well. Because you're taking lightly the vows that you've made. You just kind of brushing aside the vows that you've made and and you're entering into another relationship with somebody else. And and what do you expect? I mean, the reality is Malachi is saying this. What what do you expect? If you take lightly the vows that you make, both with your spouse and the vows that you make in faith with Christ, I mean, what can you expect out of life except a whole lot of disappointment and a whole lot of pain? Malachi continues and said, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? That's the question. What does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to your wife, the wife of your youth. Malachi starts talking about that relationship and says, Listen, you can't take it lightly. You can't take it lightly. When you take it lightly, you're going to experience all kind of pain. And and that pain isn't just an experience that you're going to have. It's a pain like we saw with these folks that your spouse is going to have. It's not just a pain you're going to have and your spouse is going to have. But Malachi would take it to the next generation and say, listen, this is going to impact your children. Don't take lightly. Don't take lightly what this means. Don't take lightly the impact of what it means When you get to that place and you just say, listen, I don't. I don't. Because God knows, Malachi knows, it's going to mean a lot of pain for a lot of people. So don't take it lightly. 
And God can say, and that's why I hate divorce. I mean, he just doesn't hate divorce just because he wants to hate something. I mean, he hates divorce, one, because he knows what your marriage can become. He hates divorce because on that day, he showed up and said, listen, from now on you are one person. And he created a dream and a vision and a purpose. And he created all the possibilities for your relationship together as husband and wife. And he hates to let go of that kind of dream of what he can do in your life. But he also hates it because he knows the pain. He knows the pain that you're going to go through. He knows the pain your spouse is going to go through. He knows the pain your children are going to go through. And he wants to save you from that pain. He hates it because he knows what it will do to you and what it will do to your spouse and what it will do to your children. And so he just says, listen, you need to know where I'm at. I, I just hate the idea. I just hate the idea of it because I know there's so much more for your marriage and I know the pain you're going to have to go through if you get to that place and you just take it lightly and you say, I know I said I do, but now I don't. Jesus follows up with the same principle in Matthew 19 when he answers a question that the Pharisees have to say and he goes back again to understanding, listen, this this is the way God intended, right? The situation is usual for Jesus. He's teaching and he's preaching. The Pharisees come up and the text says they tried to trap him. And they tried to trap him by asking a question. They said, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now, now what's interesting is in, in uh, our day, when we hear that question, so often people hear that question and they hear and ask it around the first half of the question. Notice the first half of the question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? That's kind of the first half of the question, right? That tends to be where we are, and I bet today as we approach the subject, that's probably where a lot of you are. You're asking the question, well, look, what does the Bible say? Should we be allowed to do this, or should we be allowed to do this? Now, what's interesting is in Jesus' day, and what the Pharisees were trying to do, was not the first half of the question. They, they assumed. It was okay. I mean, they assumed that one could just put away his wife. That was a given. The issue for them is not the first half of the question. The issue for them is the second half of the question. For what reason? Can you do it for any reason? So here's the deal. There were two main rabbis who were teaching around this experience. And and one rabbi rabbi was kind of a conservative rabbi. and, And he basically taught saying, listen... One cannot divorce his wife except for unfaithfulness. If she commits adultery with another person, or if you find out after you're married that she was not a virgin when you got married, then, those two reasons, then you can divorce her. And you think about that, you reflect back, you remember Joseph and Mary with Jesus' birth, and Mary's with child, and what's Joseph's reaction? I'm going to divorce her quietly. Remember? Well, that's because he's following this rabbi who said, listen, okay, you can divorce, but you can divorce only for this reason, unfaithfulness, or if you find out that after marriage she's been with another person beforehand. And that's where he was. Now, there was another rabbi, big guy, big gun, and he was out there teaching, and he was saying, no, 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 no. The scriptures say in Deuteronomy that one can divorce his wife if she displeases him. And so his teaching was simple. It was saying, listen, 
Husbands, if your wife does something that displeases you, you can write her a letter of divorce. She burns the toast, out of here. Right? She's just displeased you. Right? And, and so his big teaching was, listen, you can do it for any reason. As long as she's displeased you, you can do it for absolutely any reason. Now, take a guess. Which rabbi do you suppose was more popular? And so they come to Jesus and they try to trap him and say, look, pick a side. Pick a side. Any side. Pick a side. But one side, you got to pick a side. Because by the time this whole question is done, somebody's not going to like your answer. The amazing thing is where Jesus goes in answer to the question. Where Jesus goes is he accepts neither. He accepts neither teaching of either rabbi. He goes back to Genesis. He says, listen, haven't you read the scriptures? Don't you know what the Bible says? They recorded that from the beginning God made the male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Where does he go? He goes back to the beginning, and he says, Listen, remember. Remember how willing God is to invest in your marriage. I mean, this is the way he designed it. And remember... Remember, God designed your marriage to be permanent. He, he designed your marriage so that you could become one, so that you could flourish together. He designed your marriage so that you could become everything that He wants you to be, not only as husband and wife, but because you're husband and wife, you flourish even more as a person. He designed it, and He is invested. So before you start talking, I don't... Remember what it means to say, I do. Before you start saying, listen, I've had it, I'm done, I don't, I don't, I'm done, I don't. Jesus is saying, wait, step back, look again, and remember who can be in charge of your marriage. And remember what his dreams were for you. Remember that day when you said, I do. And get back to understanding God wants more. He wants more. You know, get, get beyond the issues Get beyond the battles. Get beyond the fights that are bringing you to the place where you're ready to say, I don't. And instead, go back to the core. Go back to the beginning of when you stood there and said, God, we're going to make a vow and we're going to say, I do. Jesus says God is still in that place in your relationship. And he'll do anything to help you stay, I do. The Pharisees, of course, uh, push him. As we would. So he makes that teaching, but the Pharisees ask the question that a lot of us would then ask. They say, well, okay, that's the way God desires it, and that's the way God wants it, and he wants to save us from all this pain, and so he hates it because he gets so much more in store for us. But hey, 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 wait a minute. Then why? Then why? I mean, that's the question, right? Then why? Why? How come? Even in strong Christian relationships, how come marriages still end up broken? The Pharisees say, tell me why then. Why did Moses say in the law that a man could do this, that he could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? Notice Moses didn't command it. It says, why do you say you could? Okay? Here's Jesus' answer. Jesus replied, Moses 
permitted divorce. Now, notice that word there. It says Moses permitted. Did Moses desire it? Did Moses command it? Did Moses say, yeah, hey, go ahead, knock yourself out? No, it says he made a concession and he permitted, right? Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to what? To your hard hearts. That's the answer. Why do marriages fall apart? The Bible's answer? Because marriages are made up of two broken people. They're made up of two broken people. And when one or both get in a position of selfishness, marriages are just impossible. When one or both get in a position where it's all about them, then marriage becomes almost seemingly impossible. When they forget the design we talked about two weeks ago, remember two weeks ago when we said, hey, what, do you, what happens when you say, I do? And we went into Ephesians and we looked and we said, well, hey, here's God's design for marriage. It's about mutual servanthood, right? It's about the husband putting the needs of the wife first and the wife putting the needs of the husband first. That's the formula. That's how it makes it work and flourish. But when one party says, nah, not so much. It's all about me. Marriages are going to get tough because now they're not driven out of servanthood, but they're driven out of selfishness. And we know, if we think about this, we know this is true because like in Malachi, the same thing applies to our relationship with Christ, right? I mean, our relationship with Christ gets interrupted and barriers get in place. When? When we start living selfishly. When we make life all about us and not about Him, then our relationship with Christ is going to get interrupted. And then there's going to be roadblocks and barriers and consequences. And there's going to be pain and there's going to be hurts. Same principle. When we're in our marriage relationships and we get hard-hearted and we get selfish, we are building those roadblocks and we're building those barriers and it's going to be painful and it's going to hurt. And some of the barriers... Some of the roadblocks, just for some reason or another, seem to never get broken down. And so, for instance, if you're in a relationship right now, and in that relationship you're experiencing abuse, you need to get out of there. That, that is a huge roadblock. That is a huge barrier. And, and you need to get out of the house and get some help and start working on that to try to recover it. But, but you need to get out of there because that's not where God wants you to be. And if your spouse is repeatedly unfaithful to you, you need to draw a line in the sand. That, I mean, that's just not where God wants marriage to be. That's clear. You, you need to get out of there and say, wait a minute, that, this is just selfishness, and I, I'm not going to live in that kind of place. But at the same time, we understand that God's desire is to always recover every relationship. The sad reality the sad reality Jesus gives us today, not every relationship is going to be recovered. And so as a concession, Moses permitted, as a concession, sometimes our brokenness and our hard-heartedness will drive that wedge that will drive us apart. So then the next question, is that it? So is my life over? Is there a possibility for me to any kind of relationship again? Well, 
if you look at scripture and you look at Matthew 19, Jesus gets in our face. And he really does. He gets in our face about this relationship and this roadblock and our marriage being dissolved. He says, I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Is that in your face? Saying, listen, if you're going to be hard-hearted, if you're going to stay in your hard-heartedness, then you, you just need to know you're living in sin. You're, you're living unfaithfully here. And it's like adultery. So, so just face it. See, what happens so often when, when we get selfish and we get to the place that we say, I don't, or our partner says, I don't, and the marriage just, just falls apart, what do we do? We want to start blaming the other person and say, well, not my fault. I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. It's always their fault. Jesus is getting in our face and just saying, listen, just face it. Understand it. You're a broken person. You participated in brokenness. It's like adultery. What happened in your life, what happened in your marriage, it is not what God designed. It's not what God desired. It's not what he was working for in your relationship. And so just face it. Just face it. And yet, he opens the door of possibility that if we face it, we can move forward in life and even new relationships. In Deuteronomy 24, there's that possibility. It says, suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes her a letter of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away from his house. When she leaves his house, she is free to marry another man. Did you see that right there? She is free to do what? Have another relationship. But, but here's the challenge. The challenge is that if you are free to have another relationship, you're free only when you face the reality of your brokenness. And the Apostle Paul, he opens the door as well in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, look, and look if you're married to an unbeliever and the unbeliever leaves, let, let him go. In that case, a believing man or woman uh, does not need to stay married. God wants us to live in peace. He opens the door to say, listen, if it falls apart, well, okay, just so move on. Move on. But what's the reality? We move on, but only when we face our brokenness. Only when we face our participation in what broke up this designed relationship that God had in place. If you go to Matthew 5, uh, and we're talking about adultery, right? You know, in the one in Matthew 19, it's only, you know, with you're committing adultery, right? If you remarry, you marry another, you're committing adultery. And that, wow, that really scares us. But look at Matthew 5. Matthew 5 says, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But, but here is what I tell you. Do not even look at a woman in the wrong way. Anyone who does has already committed adultery with her in his heart. How you doing on that one? I mean, this is not a foreign thing to us, committing adultery stuff. The reality is, are you able to get on your knees and understand the brokenness that you participated in that caused the relationship God designed and that God dreamed for to fall apart? I mean, the promise to us is always the same. Do you remember the woman that was caught in adultery? Remember her? I mean, she was caught in adultery. She was right there in front of everybody. Every, 
everybody in the place knew she was an adulterous woman. Jesus knew it. The guys with stones knew it. Everybody knew it. There was no question. And before the experience is over, what is Jesus saying to the woman? Go and sin no more. Don't do it again. See, she had to face her brokenness. Here's the reality. When we say, I don't, when that's the only option that seems to be left on the table, when sin just overtakes our marriages and they fall apart, we got to be able to say, God, forgive me, before we can move forward. you, you got to be able to look at that past relationship and you got to just come to grips with all the baggage of that relationship before you can have any thought of moving forward and entering into a new relationship. But when you do, when you practice that, when you ask God's forgiveness, God always opens the possibility for something more. You see, the key for us is always the same. If you're in a relationship right now and your marriage is not doing so well, you just need to start with what Jesus said. Listen, go back to the beginning. Go back to the way God designed it. Go back and say, God, look, we're not doing well. We're not doing it right. But we're just going to give our marriage over to you. We're going to let you take control. And, and I'm going to be the, the husband you want me to be and the man you want me to be. I'm going to be the wife you want me to be and the woman you want me to be. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm just going to completely say, you are in charge of my life and you are in charge of my marriage. And God can recover it. Because that's what he does. And that's his design. And if you're at that place in your life where you've already said, I don't, and you've already had that experience of the pain, then you need to be in the same place. And say, God, listen, I am sorry. I am sorry for the pain I caused. I'm sorry for the way I disappointed you. And I know you want more for my life. Would you please just forgive me and help me to let go of that baggage? And, and I'm going to let you be in charge of my life. And whatever you have in my